Hello and welcome to 201X Best Games of the Decade, where we talk about the best games that came out over the last 10 years, year by year. I am Jared, also known as John. I'm here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And Mikey, also known as Keylock. Yo, what's up? And like I said, for each year of this decade, we will drill down the top 10 games of that year. And this episode, we are focusing on the best games of 2017. Before we get started, I'd like to welcome back anybody listening. I mean, I would assume you have listened to previous episodes at this point, unless 2017 was just your shit. I mean, that could be legit. Uh, so welcome back for listening. Uh, to, <laughs> welcome back, and thank you for listening. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, uh, in previous episodes, we're always looking for your feedback. So, you know, you can connect with us on Twitter at The MASH Network, or you can join us on Discord and, you know, chat it up with us at discord.me slash mash those buttons and if you are a new listener welcome and thank you for listening we hope you enjoy the show and one other thing i want to get into before we get started uh especially for the new listeners i just want to talk about the lock-in system real quick we do have a lock-in system on this show where each host has an opportunity to pick a game from each year and lock it into the top 10 uh it doesn't get locked into a specific spot but at the very least it will make the list and those picks will be announced as they come up and with that Let's go ahead and get into number 10. Best games of 2017, number 10. Assassin's Creed Origins. After a short break, Ubisoft reintroduced the Assassin's Creed franchise in 2017 to high praise and acclaim with Assassin's Creed Origins. Set in ancient Egypt, Players discovered the origins of the Assassin's Brotherhood while exploring the massive and beautiful world that Ubisoft had built, with an emphasis on historical accuracy. Combat was revised to be more active versus the counter system that the series was known for. Additionally, more RPG elements were integrated with the game, such as the introduction of enemy levels and weapon stats. While Assassin's Creed Origins wasn't a reboot, it definitely brought the series into the modern age. All right, coming at number 10, Assassin's Creed Origins. This is, uh, you know, Ubisoft, they took a break with the Assassin's Creed series because, you know, they ran it into the ground. And so they're like, well, <laughs> we need to kind of, you know, do something to revive it, change it up a little bit. And I got to be honest, that's that's what they did. I was, I, I will, let me start with the biggest problem of this game, and that is its pacing. The beginning, the the opening pacing and the closing pacing are two big problems in this game, uh, in my opinion. I know some people who started playing it and kind of dropped off. I know Mikey's one of them. Uh, you know, a lot of Mikey's one of them. But I talked to other people. They're like, no, I just wasn't feeling it. And honestly, I might have done the same thing if it wasn't for this series. And I'm like, okay, well, I at least have to get the Hidden Blade because it's a... Yeah, it takes like six hours to get the hidden blade, you know? And in the beginning of the game that all you have is like the basic ass combat. You don't have any upgraded weapons. You don't have any good moves because you haven't used the ability tree. You know, you don't really have anything. There's not really any good areas to stealth in. Uh, there's no reason to stealth cause you can't assassinate the ground. Like, you know, the, the, uh, the areas are very like low to the ground 
And about six hours into the game, around the same time you get the Hidden Blade, now things change. Like, you have the Hidden Blade so you can assassinate. So now the game is very vertical. There's multiple ways to get into an area. The combat gets better because now you're putting skills in the skill tree and stuff like that. And so I went from, like, dragging myself through the game for the first six or seven hours or so to... As I'm playing through the game after that, I'm wishing like, man, I, I kind of wish I didn't have to rush through this game so I could play through this, so, you know, so I could talk about this on on this podcast. Well, I, actually, I mean, we hadn't d- determined that it was going to be number 10 yet, right? But I had to play the game to determine if it deserved a spot on the list, you know, at least to be fought for or something like that. Because Mike wasn't going to fight for it. You, no. Nope. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I needed to see if there was a reason, you know, to defend it. And I went from... uh dragging myself through the first few hours of this game or more than first few hours. I'm sorry. Six to seven hours is the length of a game itself. Okay. (laughs) I, 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 I get why this is number 10. I really do. But I, I dipped out of this game way earlier because I just could not get past. I, I, I get it. This game is great after the six hour mark, but I feel like when you're asking players, like, especially, now that I'm older, like if I was if I was a teenager, this would be great. But I'm like 30 something. That does not appeal to me to slug through six hours to get to the good parts no. anymore. Yeah, like, and especially when they could have tied up because like, they're trying to teach you how to play the game because it is a bit different. And they could have really wrapped that up within the first few hours of the game. Honestly, they could have. Um, not to mention the game, the way it starts too is like a little abrupt. You know, it kind of just throws you in there and it's like, hey, care about this guy. OK, <laughs> you know, and you're like, fuck this guy. You know, I don't know him. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know my life. But um, no, like throughout the rest of the game, you know, I found myself saying, man, I really wish I had time to play more of this game. This game could have easily turned into a 50, 60, 70 hour game because there's tons of stuff to do. The world is massive and it's not a pain in the ass. It's not a chore to move around it either. Like I loved going from area to area because they didn't do like a copy pasta of, uh, of, of various, you know, areas, right? Like every area you go to is different, you know, and they are separated. You know, it's, it is like ancient Egypt. So there's like, they're separated by desert, even go through the desert, is like pretty awesome going through the desert areas and seeing the pyramids as you're going through and then being able to just turn in that direction and ride toward them and eventually you'll get to them. Like that is like really cool. The world is I this it, one of the biggest open worlds I've, I've ever seen. And I'm curious to see what how they can how that compares uh to Odyssey. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> if this is like I've seen Odyssey if I don't know if you have you booted up Odyssey yet? I have not booted up Odyssey yet. It's bigger. Oh, it's bigger. <laughs> so yeah. It's big it's a lot by bigger. The, <laughs> by the time you finish this game, I think you only cover half the map. By the time you finish and that's a lot. It is a lot. By the time you finish the game, you only cover half the map. There's still stuff to do after you beat the game without the DLC because you beat the game at level 35. Was, and there's still five more levels. Was there right? na- I can't re- I didn't get to this point. Was there naval combat in this game? There is. There is naval combat. And okay. it's fun. The naval combat is always good. They I, it's like they should make a game about the naval combat. 
<laughs> they try. Remember, they release a trailer and everything for Skull and Bones or whatever it was called. Yeah, I don't know why. And you know, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And it's dead. Like, no one's heard anything about it since. Exactly. And especially somebody made, a, like, based off of the Assassin's Creed naval combat, somebody made a space version of that called Rebel Galaxy, and it is awesome. You know, so like, just just do it. Just do it. I mean, Black Flag was the best, was the closest one we had. And that, you know, if you take the naval combat out of Black Flag, it's probably the second worst game in the series. <laughs> Assassin's Creed 3 is the worst game in the series. So, but we're talking about Assassin's Creed Origin, but the world is absolutely massive. Like I said, going from place to place is really cool. Like, I never use the picture feature in games. Never. And I use it all the fucking time in in this game so it was really cool but they did add rpg mechanics to it so they, they did iterate on it uh where you know you have ability points and ability tree which it was good but at the same time it, like i said it kind of caused the the, the 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 lull in the beginning of the game the weapons have levels the enemies have levels you have to collect supplies and you either do that by exploring or also by hunting uh various animals and uh yeah like you know you, you can increase your damage you can increase your supply attributes so that was a new thing they completely changed the combat because the combat of assassin's creed was based around groups well like, it was group combat like it, you were supposed to be surrounded by enemies and then fight your way out of it like by countering or stuff like that and that's completely changed like if you try to fight groups now yeah you're gonna get hurt like that's it's just not really built for a group combat but on one-on-one combat it does excel after a little bit you know once you get past your basic bitch enemies it actually gets pretty interesting especially when they put enemy various enemies in different combinations like you know if you put like a sword enemy plus a a shield enemy and then like a shield enemy that has a spear instead of a, a sword you know the all these enemies operate differently and you know you do have to use your perfect blocks and perfect dodges to get openings and uh, yeah, and also the combos are timing based. So there's only two buttons that you have to press to do melee attacks, right? So it based on how you time your hits will determine what type of combos you're doing. And they don't tell you about any of that. So there's a lot of experimentation that goes along with that. And I'm really glad that by the time you get to, because there's arenas and stuff like that. And by the time you get to the arena piece, like you should have, hopefully you have learned these combos because you will need them. Uh, you know, so, but like, yeah, the, the, the combat, the combat is different. I do kind of miss that, like that combo system, not combos, but the countering system. Cause it's not, not a real countering system here. Right. Like, it's not like if you, like, you know, if you perfect block, like basically the enemy will like, you'll, you'll parry essentially, and they'll give you an opening to attack. But I kind of wish the perfect block would trigger like a counter or something like that. Cause I, I used to love. Uh, doing that stuff in Assassin's Creed. And then also the weapon systems change. Like there's two types of weapons. You have ranged and you have uh, the melee. And there's various different types of melee weapons and various different types of, um, you know, ranged weapons. And they have their place. They have their place. Like if you're on horseback, you want to use the light bow because it's essentially a machine gun, but, but a bow instead. <laughs> you know, uh, if you're trying to do like a stealth thing, you you know, you probably want to use the hunter bow because you can actually control the arrow as it goes across. Um, you know, there's uh, heavy weapons, there's light weapons. The one weapon that I thought was the funniest was the warrior bow because it's essentially a shotgun, but it's a bow and arrow. 
and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, in my opinion. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry, what? Oh, yeah. A it's like a shotgun bow? It's like a shotgun bow. It is like it's it's funny like it's completely useless if you're trying to if you're trying to use it at range if you're trying to use it at range and you are you know trying to hit somebody all you did was alert them to the fact that you're trying to kill them it is completely useless but up close yeah you you can put some work in <laughs> like you know it's like a shotgun why would yeah, you we'll use a face. bow though for close r- i mean i get okay fine. oh because there's there's hippos in the game Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah hippos will wreck yeah. you like yes hippos, hippos will wreck you there's hippos and alligators and every time like one of them will, like sometimes it's funny because you know and that i do appreciate that like sometimes like i just be it's like you can't get surprised by a hippo right but you can be surprised by a hippo because it happened to me several times i'm like holy shit there's a fucking hippo that just hopped up here uh time for my shotgun bow so they did a good job i mean the it really goes back to the world, like you know, out, like you know, your animals have these natural camouflages that you know, you you're watching them on National Geographic, and you're like, how do these other animals get caught by them? And here I am, almost getting killed by a hippo at a game because I'm not paying attention, <laughs> I'm not paying attention properly, you know. So I, I thought it was, I thought it was good, and uh, the main character is very likable. The story is a bit predictable, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a it's a good game. I think it deserves a spot on this list. But like I say it. It's just the pacing. The pacing of the beginning too slow. The pacing of the end, it's too stretched out. But other than that, it's, it's a good game. So, all right. Well, so let, with that, let's go ahead and get into number nine. Best games of 2017. Number nine Hellblade Senwa's Sacrifice. With a team of roughly 20 developers, Ninja Theory's Hellblade, Senwa's Sacrifice, makes Norse and Celtic mythology in a tale of grief and acceptance, while also displaying the effects of psychosis on the main character. Hellblade successfully combines visceral sword combat, challenging puzzles, and a gripping story told through flashbacks, hallucinations, and the voices in Senwa's head. With no HUD and no tutorials, players learn how to play the game organically, which enriches the experience even further. Everyone owes it to themselves to play this great game. Okay, number nine, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. This is a lock and pick, and this is my lock and pick. This is another game I did not play until we were trying to put this list together. It was one of those games where I knew I wanted to play it, and when the time came for 2017, I saw this game coming out in 2017, I was like, well, I can't just ignore it, right? Can't just ignore it. I have to play. I have to see, um, you know, what it's about. And the game is short, but it's just very well executed. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you when in, when you get a short game, they it's just, it's not really well executed. You know, it's just a short game. You know, maybe they focused way more on the graphics, or they focus way more on the set pieces. But no, like everything is in a tight, concise package. And I know it had to do a lot with the fact, a lot to do with the budgeting of this game. A lot of this game's budget was raised by ninja theory themselves you know they there was no big publisher that just was just feeding money into them and also and because of the budgeting they were able to really do what they wanted to do and i mean the the one the first thing that really sticks out to you about this game is the atmosphere the way it looks the lack of music the lack of music but how important sound is in this game 
go ahead, Mike. Yeah, audio is like audio made this game. Honestly, like you have to play this with headphones, and the way that your main character is a very unreliable narrator, but you're honestly experiencing like the voices basically in your head is like really crazy. Like they are detrimental at times. And at that same time, they help you. It's weird. It it was this weird back and forth with the voices in your head. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, one thing that I really liked about this game is how the dialogue, like, so they tell you the story of the game without having to stop the game. You know, the dialogue just moves through the game with you and you're able to determine what happened beforehand or some of us are i read some youtube comments and some people just didn't get it i'm like did you play the game sir you know but like you know uh you know that you can understand what exactly happened in the game without them having to do a whole bunch of flashbacks and cut scenes and things like that you know i mean honestly you do the opening scenario with the boat and you pretty much know why she's here what she's trying to do and her motivation behind doing it, pretty much. Like, you you get the idea of what's going on, for the most part. Yeah, you, yeah you, like, by the time you really start the game, you get the basics. But they, they really reinforce what happens, how it happened, all without doing, like, you know, taking you out of the game or taking you out of the character. You were mm-hmm. with the character or in control of the character almost the entire time. Right. You know? And the combat is also just superb. Like the, I actually really enjoyed the fight. Fighting in this game was really fun for me. Like it I did is. not think it was going to be, but it, it yeah it was great. It was, and th- the thing about the combat too: one, there's no HUD, right? There's no HUD in the game. There is no combat tutorial, which actually caused my first death in the game because, like, I'm like, okay, the dude's coming. They're going to kind of tell me what, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I have experience with fight, like, you know, games like this, but I'm like, okay, well maybe there's some type of gimmick or something like that I need to know about. Nope. They never tell you. You got to figure it all out on your own. So I figured out what was my block? What was my dodge? What was my light hit? What was my heavy hit? All on my own, my first combat experience. And then also, you know, uh, your, your ability like focusing, right? Like you, you kind of have to figure all that out on your own. And this is another place where the voices really come in handy because, like, you know, it's a 3D fighting space. Enemies are behind you, and you have to listen to the voices to know when something's happening behind you, when somebody else is getting ready to hit you, you know? So, yeah, it's – and it makes the battles intense, too, because they'll usually tell you at the last second, especially if you have it on a higher difficulty. Or even if you put it on auto difficulty, which makes it go up and down, when oh. the difficult when it ramps up, they re- like you really got to pay attention and you have to do your your parries and dodges at the right time. I love when games use auto difficulty in the right way cuz I played on auto difficulty and it always felt like it was just hard enough to where like I was being challenged but it wasn't it didn't feel insurmountable at any time. However, there are a few flaws in this game. I think the rot system like is a little much if you act like just that, like just the way that that all works with, you know, starting you all over if you die too many times, basically. But yeah. So, so, so for reference, what he's talking about is like every time you die, you get like this rot that goes up your arm. And if it reaches your head, the game says it'll delete your save. You got to start all over again, which 
for a game that has a lot of walking, quiet areas, talking, like that's a bit that's a lot. That's that's some that's really crazy. But the thing about the rot system, like I guess maybe it's because, you know, I I didn't lose my save, I didn't lose my game, so I made it through it, but it adds like incredible tension to your fights. It does, but I can also see if someone ever got to that head and then got the save deleted, just be like, fuck this, I'm out. Like, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, it can completely it would completely ruin somebody's experience. So yeah, the yeah, like the that's that when I first saw that, I was like, oh boy, like I really hope I don't die out here because if I do, I'm not coming back. Like this is just too much. <laughs> you know, it, it'll be too much for me. Uh, not to mention a lot of the moments in the game really are a one-time thing only. Like it just won't get you the second time around. Um, one of the oh, one more thing about the no HUD is how they represent how well you're doing or how bad you're getting beaten. You know, because like your damage shows up on your body and your enemies' damage, with the exception of the bosses, show up on them. So that's how you can tell who is ready to you know take a permanent nap. And, you know, who <laughs> you still need to wail on uh, a bit more. Uh, one of the major things about this game, too, which I think was like kind of a main focus of the marketing, is that, you know, Senua, she has, she suffers from psychosis. And a lot of the effects that come in the game aren't just effects that they made or thought about. They talked to, they, I forget the name of the organization they work with, but they work with the organization who deals with people who have who deal with psychosis. And a lot of the effects were directly, were direct feedback from those people. Like when you have the puzzles where things are like the, the, the shapes are lighting up, that somebody in real life, that is how they experience psychosis. Or uh, when you can't see anything around you or everything is kind of sharded, like in, in terms of distortion, uh, that is like somebody in, in, you know, real life experiences psychosis that way. So I think... Once you, I wouldn't recommend doing this before you play the game. After you play the game is a different story. But after you play the game, watch the dev documentary, and it just makes you appreciate the game way more, way more. The only thing I will say about the whole psychosis thing is like, if they did not kind of tell you that in the beginning of the game, it might just seem like a fantasy uh, style of game. That's kind of that. That's that's kind of the thing. Um, I was really impressed by the graphical fidelity of the game. Now, I am playing on PC, and I am running a 2080 Ti, so I had everything at max graphics, and the game looks so good. Uh, there are parts where they like they do live motion, like they do like live video, and it's in tandem with the character in place, and it doesn't look odd. It looks so good together. And the with the live video, they were it, it actually made it so that parts were actually uncomfortable to watch in some cases, like when certain things would happen, you know. So yeah, it's uh, it was just a, a great game. Uh, I think it's it's worth a play. It's not people some people worry about it being a scary game. It's not a scary game. It's there's, tense. There's one section that I would refer to as being scary, and it's near the end. But I don't want to spoil it for people. But there's like one section of the game that I would be like, that's kind of a horror-ish kind of vibe I'm getting, but all right. Yeah, uh, anytime I think your resources are kind of taken away from you, uh, you know, and it's just your job to be away from something else, that's, yeah, that that uh, is not very 
that doesn't make you feel very safe. But as long as I got my sword, if you feel like getting chopped up, come on over here, you know? <laughs> that's that's my approach to life. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's a very good game. Highly recommend it. It's like you said, it is short. Um, some of the puzzles can be a little I don't want to say dumb, a little obtuse or a little weird on how you have to solve them. But yeah. yeah. Like there are puzzles where, and I think this has to this has to do with the psychosis thing, right? Where it tries to put you in her her shoes, like the the puzzles where you have to find shapes or like where there where normally there really aren't any, like they're not really there, but you have to see it from her perspective and find out where the shape is. And I thought that was like it is frustrating, but then when I I think it's because like you know at the end of the game when I watched the dev documentary I'm like that makes so much sense. This is a really good game. You know, high claps around, you know. So, um, but go ahead. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. I just, some of it was just a little frustrating at some points, but for the most part, it was fine. I mean, there's a reason why Ninja Theory got bought by Xbox and is now making a sequel to this game. So, absolutely. I cannot wait for it. I cannot wait. Okay. So, with that, let's go ahead and move into number eight. Best games of 2017, number eight, Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 7 found new ways to frighten players by bringing the franchise into the first person and even VR. Playing as a man in search of his missing wife, players had to navigate a derelict plantation populated by creepy, cannibalistic family. With a narrowed focus, Resident Evil 7 returned the franchise back to its survival horror roots earning this a spot as a top game of the year. Okay, coming at number eight, Resident Evil 7. This is a lock-in from Mike. So I'm going to let you take it away, Mike. Go for it. This game is scary as fuck, especially in VR. Like, if you're playing this in VR, like, heaven help you. Like, I don't know why you would do that to yourself, but you just must really like horror. Um, This game is a revitalization of the resident evil series i would say after we've been having to deal with five and six uh resident evil seven handles horror and it makes horror the upfront thing instead of being like an action zombie thriller like the past resident evils have kind of been since i would even say four even though four, is four. Really go- yeah four was really good yeah. but it's not really a horror game i would say compared to true horror resident evil 7 is a true horror game uh it's impressive that they made the game as fun in vr as they do outside of vr and i think it's impressive that they made a game that can be played either way and it holds up like very rare do i don't know a game that does that really and actually it works well so kudos to cap te- the capcom team behind that kudos to the re engine for fucking being impressive as hell, making things look really grotesque and gross. Fuck you, bug lady. Whoever, if you've played this game, that bug lady is disgusting and you set her ass on fire as fast as you can. Cause, oh, uh, anyways, uh, the only thing that I would say is that near the end, it get, they, because this is a Resident Evil biohazard game, they have to tie it back to, umbrella and all that kind of dumb crap so we have to like get thrown back into that and they kind of do first person shooting okay but it's not super stellar it kind of like where where it kind of like 
took off really hard in the beginning, it feels like it kind of just peters out near the end. Uh, but overall, the story's good, the action's good, the horror's back, which is great, and I can't commend this team enough for making a VR game that was worth honestly playing in VR. I will say I actually enjoyed this game. However, I did not play it. I watched Dre play through it, and I helped him solve the puzzles because it's too scary for me. But the... Everything about the game, obviously, the atmosphere is great. The first person was really good. Um, the storyline in some parts were questionable, but it was still very good. Um, I think my main complaint is, like, the the main girl or whatever, her hair clipped through her shoulder way too many times. But besides a couple of, like, nitpicky things, the game was very, very solid all around. Too scary for yeah. me. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the thing about horror games or games that are supposed to be horror, if you have enough, I mean, horror games are about resources and you not having them and you actually be in danger. If you actually have enough bullets to mow down zombies, like it's not a scary game anymore, you know, but in this game, you definitely do. Not to mention, like, you're not some, you know, badass soldier, no. you know, trained for situations like this. You're just looking for your girlfriend. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the thing. You're just. Looking for your girlfriend. So, and plus it being in first person, uh, I think is really helps. I mean, Konami dropped the ball with PT or, you know, Silent Hills. And <laughs> Capcom was like, oh, that seems cool. We'll do it. Even though, I mean, obviously they had it in the works already, right? They already they already had it in the works. But I think it maybe helped them press the gas a little harder when they saw that people wanted it. You know, Konami slipping, you know, so. Yeah, that was that was a this has been a great break for Capcom, honestly. I think from this point almost on, I think Capcom is just like batting a thousand with its games for the most part. Like this is like I want to feel like the start of the revitalization that is Capcom being good again. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, I think they they started focusing on their strengths and stopped trying to be, you know, like followers for the most part, you know. So that that really helps, but no, it was a good game. It was I I did not finish. I'm not a huge horror game person in the first place, but the parts that I played, I thought was was pretty cool. I just never picked it up and finished it out. But with that, let's go ahead and move into number seven. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Best games of 2017, number seven, Cuphead. With a 1920s cartoon art style, Cuphead initially appears as a simple game for children. Instead, Studio MDHR created one of the toughest games of the year. Cuphead's difficulty has earned it comparisons to Dark Souls, despite playing nothing like it. Cuphead's execution-heavy and punishing gameplay will challenge even the staunchest of veterans as they take Cuphead and Mugman on their journey to repay their debt to the devil. If you missed this game, Cuphead is definitely worth checking out. All right, coming at number seven. 
Cuphead, which is Christina's lock-in. Hello. So I have this thing about like platformers and and like I don't know trial and error games where I'm not good at them and I don't really like them. But I picked up Cuphead because it's a beautiful game and everybody was talking about it consistently. So I was like, ah, whatever. I'll just play it and stream it a little bit and rage or whatever. And I had a really good time with it. The bosses were hard, but not hard to figure out. Like, I didn't actually rage as much as I thought I was going to. I would die and be like, okay, I know what I did wrong. Let's let's try it again. Um, it took a really long time for them to finish this game, too, because they put, like, every single, like, little detail together. I think everything was, like, hand-drawn, too. The music is amazing. I just, everything about this game was so good. Unfortunately, I didn't beat it because it is really hard. Um, I think I got to King Dice like right before his fight. So I had like two or three fights to to do. So the game itself isn't very long, um, except for just how hard it is, I guess. So the difficulty makes the game longer. Um, but they do have a pretty decent upgrade system. You can get all kinds of different types of like ammo for the game too. So like you can play different bosses in different ways. You can build a strategy around it. And I think I had a lot of fun streaming it too, because a lot of people jumped in and like helped build that strategy with me to like, let me know how it works. Um, like what weapons work best on what bosses they also have a multiplayer mode, which I haven't played, which would probably be easier if I did. Maybe I could. It's not easier. Did you? It play makes it? it a little harder because yeah. of all the extra all the extra projectiles that like you you have to have like some laser focus. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Also, your player friend could also get you killed very easily. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like. You, you're like, for instance, like, there's a lot of issues with like you both going to the same space at the same time, kind of thing. And really, uh, there's only room for one of you to not die if you go there. So you just have to be really coordinated and trust your partner, which, okay. which goes in line with the game and its difficulty. Yeah, you know, it really does. You know, so what, one quick note about about the soundtrack, and I want to talk about execution. The soundtrack was number one on the jazz billboards in real life. So yeah. like it, the soundtrack is <laughs> the soundtrack was was actually really good but I think that's the thing about this game this game really focuses on execution. You know the bosses are not difficult to figure out even after you know exactly what a boss is going to do because they all have tells. You know it's not difficult uh you know the execution is key, you know properly using the jump and dash mechanics uh with precise timing. And parry. That's that's key. Too. And parry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the the one thing that I, I shouldn't say I didn't like, but I thought was kind of unnecessary was that they randomize attack patterns in this game. So if you die and come back, there's a chance that the attack pattern is going to be different. It's really not needed in this game. It's fucking hard enough already, and you know <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. But then it also on the on the other side of that coin, it also forces you to execute. One thing that pissed me off. Uh, not about this game, but about the reception of this game, was that everybody kept calling it a Souls game. No, it is not. No. It is not a Souls game. Every Boy, game that no. is hard is not a Souls game. That's not the defining piece of a Souls game. 
you, know, you could get through this entire game if you can execute perfectly on the first try. You yeah, know? <laughs> I will say I did say it was a trial and error game. Um, it's it's more about like yeah, there's small trial and error learning how to do things. But you're right, the execution is very key. Once I figured out how each you know boss worked, I just had to push the right buttons at the right times, um, depending on what phase it was. So it wasn't that bad. Uh, I do agree with the randomness. I think the candy fight was the one of the hardest fights I had to do. And if she didn't send out like the jawbreaker, I think first. I would basically be like, all right, let's reset it because that's the one that I know I can execute very well. And like, I can't get hit before this part of the fight or vice versa. Right. It's like harder. I don't know. I was like strategically figuring out which phase I would prefer first. So that way I could, you know, beat it. Duh. Right. Yeah. And I think that they did an excellent job with the controls. And you have to in a game like this because what you don't want is players feeling that, you know, they, they were it was unfair because the controls didn't respond the way they wanted to nope if you died it is your fault it is all about execution so yeah um that's i mean it's always the hard thing with hard games right like if if the player can blame anything but themselves at any time like you've lost that player almost at it not only they don't want- trust the system anymore right well not only have you lost that player but in this age that we live in of influencers you know, you could lose an entire audience because they say something bad about your game. Like, oh, this game is unfair. This is broken, and this needs to be fixed. I mean, games that are perfect, not perfectly balanced, but balanced very well, even now get complaints, uh, and it causes uh, trouble in the communities and stuff like that. I mean, look at fucking Overwatch, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a oh. whole other thing with like the da- the day and age of patches that we live in, anyway. As right, well, yeah. but. Yeah, but still, yeah, I mean, yeah, that it, it was a it was an excellent game. They did an excellent job. Uh, it was definitely a, a win for Microsoft when that came out. So, <laughs> and then I went. I think it sold really well on Switch too when it came to Switch. Finally, still a win for Microsoft. <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, hundred percent. It has such yeah, a huge you know. following too. I mean, games nowadays usually have followings to it, but like it built a very large following to the point where like merch and everything was like made for it. And uh, you don't see that super often with indie games. It's just, it blew up and it did really well. Well, say at the five nights at Freddy's. Can we not? Because I, I see kids walk around with Fetty Fosbear t-shirts on all the time. I'm like, who are your parents? Worked Don't at, tell me you played that game. <laughs> I worked at GameStop during the boom of Five Nights at Freddy's, and I don't want to think about that game ever again. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into our number six pick. Best games of 2017. Number six. Near Automata. Nier Automata was released in 2017 to high praise for its narrative, characterization, and combat system. Players lead a combat android and her companions on a journey across a post-apocalyptic landscape. RPG elements and action-based combat keep the game grounded, and Yoko Taro's imaginative style reveals a world worth exploring, making Nier Automata a top game of 2017. Okay, coming to number six, Nier Automata automata something of that nature i'm gonna let these two go at it because i played it and i was like okay and then they played they're like oh my god i love this game <laughs> it's a good game go 
There's a reason why we have a whole raid content dedicated to this game in Final Fantasy XIV now. I had a There's resist a reason. singing when he said the name of the song. I mean, of the game, not the song, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, because Weight of the World is an amazing song. It's Soundtr- so good. Soundtrack in this game, fucking amazing. Every area uh, has their- that. Huh? I agree with that. I, I agree with that. Sure. Yeah, like every area in this game had its own like theme. It was really good. It felt it the songs matched every zone. It felt real good. The battles with the music was just perfectly well timed. It synced with the action perfectly. Kudos to the audio design team. I uh, will say that the music's probably my favorite thing of the game. There's a bunch of things that drew me back into the game. Like I I had to beat this game before the raid came out for Final Fantasy because I had to know, you know, what it was about before I I played content on it. And I think the biggest thing that pulled me in, and again, there's so many great things about this game, but it was the music because that, that main overworld theme just was consistently stuck in my head. And that's a good thing, you know? And once Mm -hmm. I beat the game, I just wanted to play the game so I could just explore that world with that music playing. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Now, whereas Assassin's Creed Origins had a problem with pacing at the beginning, this game had no problem with the beginning because it just set you in there and said, fucking go. But then it has the problem of, cool, you beat Route A. Play this game over again, Route B. Okay, now that you beat Route B, here's Route C and D that's nothing like Route A and B. But the problem is a lot of people dropped off after Route A because they were like, Oh, I don't want to play through this whole thing again as 9S and then have this hacking component thing, right? Like, uh, whatever. A lot of people bounced, but like, there's a lot that you learn playing that second playthrough that you don't get in Route A because of the hacking ability. And I mean, the hacking ability is literally just top down geometry. I'd almost call it geometry wars. It's, like, it's kind of kind of good as Geometry Wars. I don't like it. <laughs> you don't like it. I didn't yeah. have issues with it per se. Like it wasn't awful, but like mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of it, especially towards the end of that playthrough where it got like the difficulty for those games went from like a five to a ten. Yeah, it ramps up pretty hard yeah. for uh for the hacking mini game on uh, some of the bosses, especially. Because that was the main way of doing damage in Route B is you had to mm-hmm. basically play that mini game to destroy everybody. Uh, but the combat, the actual combat when you're playing as uh, 2B is really, I thought, really solid. Um, they give you a lot of different weapons, to, especially because you can, you could have a light sword, a heavy sword, fists, a spear, and I think that's it. But because there's probably another one I'm forgetting, but you also have your pod unit, which is like a gun. Uh, and then you also have what is a no, I think that's it. But then basically what happens is depending on if you've set that as your whatever weapon you set up as your main weapon and your secondary weapon changes your like light and your heavy attacks. So like if you have like light sword as your light attack and heavy sword as your heavy attack. Like you can do certain things, but then if you switch it and your second set is like heavy sword as your light attack and your heavy attack is the light sword, it like plays completely differently. So there's a lot of mix and match things that you can do. 
Man, I played the game and you just confused the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, what I'm trying to say is like you can set up a set of weapons and if you flip how you've set those, the gate, the combat system can completely flip on you. Yeah, I basically chose like a specific way the combat worked. Like I just put heavy sword and I was like, oh, whatever, this is fine. I'm just going to play like this. And I didn't really have any issues uh the combat actually in the game wasn't the hard the game was not that hard um the hardest part about the game was the hacking and the bullet hell parts honestly which were really great i'm not gonna lie when i first booted up near i did not expect that intro and i think that really sucked me in right away was that intro and then it changes gameplay like right away like afterwards and you're like what is happening? And they really mesh the bullet hell from like a 2D to a 3D perspective very well. Right. I also love how they mix with like an airplane bullet hell style to then like you being like in third person mm-hmm. action combat style. And then all of a sudden you're having to dodge bullets being shot from all sorts of ways. Like it was just very impressive gameplay style. Uh, kudos to Platinum Games for for that. But yeah, it's just. It's a very solid game. It has a really weird as fuck story. Thanks to Yoko Taro being weird. Um, has 26 different endings if you want to go chase those. it's They're not, to be fair, that hard. There's like three endings that are fairly difficult to get to. And then the other ones are random things like, like you eat a fish and then you die or something like that. Yeah, or yeah. like blowing yourself up in a state space station. <laughs> But like it, you do the thing and then it goes almost to like a text adventure thing like unit blah, 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 did stupid thing. And now everybody's dead. Good job. And then it rolls through the credits and then it brings you back to the beginning. Like it it really does not take long to get the other endings at all. Right. Yeah, I think my because I actually enjoyed the combat of the game. My biggest problem was that I I just think it would have been a, a better game if it was no open world. If it was linear, that's what I, that's my issue with the guy. I just feel like if they just took you from area to area, kept the combat steady, I would have felt a bit better. I don't need to ride a moose. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need to ride a moose you know, or a, or a, or a, or a boar or whatever it is. You know what I think would have helped? I and I think this like imagine if this game had Mirror's Edge Catalysts style, where basically you would have the open world use that to travel have a couple of mini fights or whatever but then like you enter in like the sectioned off like whatever story chapter sections and i think they tried to do that with the open world it just didn't like the carnival i thought was a good way of doing that uh the forest was Eh. Yeah, Yeah, like there were some areas that did it well and there were just areas that did not handle level design very well. The carnival is definitely my favorite place. I think the desert was too much. The desert really. Yeah, it was too open. I agree with you. I explore a lot and I feel like I didn't get enough reward for the exploration that I did, especially in the desert. So, right. If you're going to have right. such an open world, I mean, the point of the world is the the world is, you know, not as living, you know, but the fact that the world is not as living is like, OK, well, maybe it shouldn't be open world like it doesn't feel alive. So then cut it off. Right. right. Exactly. And then on, on top of that, you know, dying is, you know, you lose like your um, 
Oh, the uh, chips. chips and stuff yeah. like that. When you die, so the... it kind of makes you not want to explore. In my case, like it's if it's, it's not worth it. Like oh, that might be something that kills me. And I don't want to have to go back over there, pick up my dead body, and then get get out of there. Like I just you know so that that's that that's one of the things about like, about this game that I I just really feel like it would have been a better game if it was linear. Yeah, they didn't have to do the Dark Souls thing. I don't know why they chose to do that. Like it was very weird. And then the fact that you could you could pick up dead bodies of other players that had died <laughs> there and then told them to fight for you was interesting, but I was like, this doesn't really need to be here. You could also like just harvage their corpse for XP and chips. I did that. Yeah, that's all that's I yeah. did. I wouldn't yeah. have them help me. They just disappeared all the time. Yeah, like they would get like chopped up like super fast. Like I would take, I would usually have one with me and then I would just, I would uh, absorb everybody else essentially. That's what I was doing, so. Okay, so uh, if we are done with that, it's time to get into number five. Best games of 2017, number five. Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, picks up right where the New Order left off. The New Colossus's excellent, well-written plot and characters help push players through a story where BJ is continuing his fight to rebuild a resistance to stand against the Nazis. The game's great level design, weapons, and AI provide an engaging experience where you can truly feel the overwhelming force of a Nazi regime. Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus doesn't just let you be Terror Billy, it expects you to become Terrorbilly in order to progress. All right, coming at number five, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. This is uh, one of the finest first-person shooters I've ever played. It's one of the best first-person shooters of this decade. It might be, I was trying to think of other first-person shooters, but I think it has the best character design, the best story, the best acting I think I've ever seen in a first-person shooter. It's like they cared about the characters. Caring <laughs> like, about characters in a first-person shooter? What is this? Exactly. Like, That's the thing. Like, it's like they cared about the characters. Like, everybody has a personality. Like, I would stop and listen to different characters converse with each other because it was just, like, it was like a treat. I really, really enjoyed this game. I mean, even the villains are excellent. Like, you know, usually you go through a game... You get to the final boss, you kill the final boss, you're happy about that. But man, killing the antagonist in this game was one of the most satisfying experiences I've ever had in a video game. Especially the way you do it. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. It's a it's it's great. It's a great feeling. By the time you get to the game with everything that she does to you, it's it's awesome. And yeah, like and yeah, like it, whenever you can like because usually I don't get like feels when it comes to like games and stuff like that. But when you can make me hate somebody in a game, you probably did a good job writing that character. That's why I give the last of us big ups because I hate Joel <laughs> in that game. So, uh, but yeah, I mean the, the dialogue was excellent in and out of cutscenes, And that pours into the great storytelling about, you know, basically the, the main thread of the story is, you know, the Nazis won and now they're trying to piece America back together to fight against fascism. That's what essentially what they're trying to do. And one of the things that the story does is it does a great job displaying how evil and disturbing the Nazis were, you know, 
which and the thing, it doesn't seem outlandish. They just kind of took the stuff that the Nazis were doing and they're like, well, what if what do we think could have happened if they were just continue doing that stuff? And that's how you get this game, you know, and it's 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 really it's really cool. And I, I really up. Yeah, already well, fucked yeah. up shit. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't say the shit they were doing was cool. I just like the way they put it together was cool. I do appreciate no, yeah, the DLC. Obviously, like fuck Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I do appreciate the DLC where you get the opportunity to kill KKK members. Anytime they put that into oh, a game. Oh yeah. Uh, you got mm. you got my vote. <laughs> like yeah, like it, it, you'll make one of my lists. <laughs> you know so um but no, it was they did a really good job and they varied the locations a lot like you know You'll be in like, uh, you know, New York got nuked, but you got to make it through that area. So you have areas that look like that. Uh, You know, you have like courthouses, you have like Nazi facilities, you even have like, you know, Area 51 type areas, you know, desert areas, You even go to Pluto. Like there's another space area, which I and Wolfenstein 3. I'm curious to see what planet they take you to. That's like a. That's a reoccurring thing. Like in the first Wolfenstein, you go to the moon. And now in this one, you go to Pluto and just the level of disrespect for old hitler was incredible to me like i was like wow like they really they really made this guy look bad you know so like it's uh they they did a really good job with all that stuff in terms of the gameplay though it also has varied gameplay because you can stealth if you want to and you can you can clear entire areas with stealth right if if you want to if you want to be patient and take time you can take everybody out with the hatchets and you know, stuff like that. Uh, but there's also like aggressive aspects of the game and every, almost like, let's just say every area of the game plays well, but like most areas of the game will play well to both. Right. I mean, it, it things, the game in my opinion is a little easier if you play it stealthily and thin the herd and make sure you get rid of the, um, commanders so they don't alert anybody else. But if you want to just say, just fuck that, that's cool too. And you just dual wield, and just mow down everybody, you know, and it takes nothing to go from like your stealth, well, you know, kind of stance to your, to your dual wielding. I'm going to kill everybody's stance. Go ahead. Try to kill everybody. The game is hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the game is hard. And the, cause the thing about this game is that, you know, in, in this world, the Nazis are an overwhelming force. And that is so apparent in so many parts of the game. There are several times in this game where the kitchen sink is thrown at you. Several times where you are trapped in an area and Nazis are pouring in. And it's not just like low-level foot soldiers. Like they, It's low-level foot soldiers. Then the armor guys come in. Then the guys who have armor on top of their armor come in. Then the guys who have armor on top of their armor and lasers come in. Like you know, And there's multiple of them at the same time. And BJ isn't superhuman. That's another thing. Like BJ is a human being and he's fragile. So, you know, it's kill or be killed. You like your accuracy actually matters because like you could miss a shot on somebody. And because you missed that one shot, you just, you die. Like that was your, that was your opportunity. Even if it's just to stagger them for a second. So they don't shoot you in the face. You know, there's a, you got to keep moving not take damage like you are not the doom marine you cannot soak up damage in this game you have to keep moving you have to be aggressive so the i'm trying to think i think the highest difficulty level is i am terror billy that's what they call you in the game like you are a terrorist to the nazis and 
that's how you have to play the game because Mike is right. Like the game is difficult, and it, I think it play it, the experience of the game. It's best experience in the higher difficulty. Like don't put it on the lower difficulty. Like find a difficulty well, that makes it challenging. I, I, I insult you straight up if you try to put it on the beginner mode because it's literally yeah. just Billy's face with a pacifier and a bonnet on. Yeah. So like they're already like. Don't do this. Like, yeah. like you are doing yourself a disservice because you like, I mean, it feels so good. Like to make it through an area like the courthouse where you literally start this area of the game in what handcuffs. Yeah. In handcuffs. You start that you start in handcuffs and you have to break out and takes you start off with a pistol. It's like gun game, right? Because you start off with you you break out the handcuffs, you have to kill the first person, you start out with a pistol and now you just have to get better and better weapons. That As was yeah. Nazis are pouring in. Yeah. yeah, that was probably my favorite scene, especially because of how it ends and what it leads to. Like, I'm not going right. to spoil, but like that was that was a scene. Like yeah. that was a yeah, that, that was, was good. That was that was great. Like they did a, they did just did an excellent job with the combat and the weapons. Like so, the some first person shooters like weapons feel optional, right? Like you get. You have some standard weapons, like you got a pistol, you got a shotgun, you have an assault rifle. Maybe you get a sniper rifle, and those are just going to be your main weapons that you stay with. And all of the other weapons, you can you don't need them. You know they're just like optional. Rage Two has that problem. Your first four weapons, that's what you use to fight with. If you want to get fancy, use one of the other weapons, right? Uh, but in this game, like every weapon has its place and its time, and it really just feels like a tool in the you know, in the toolkit, like depending on the type of armored enemy you're fighting, you might want to pull out, you know, uh, dual shotguns, or maybe you want to pull out maybe a, a hot, like, you know, a, um, you know, a, um, high capacity rifle that will hit harder depending on who you're, who you're, uh, fighting, you know, and then you can, there's two, there's two types of upgrades that you kind of get your weapon upgrades. You need like upgrade kits and those are collectibles and you can change the guns how you like to play, which is nice, but your other upgrades, like how much damage you're doing, maybe with, with headshots or how many knives you have or how much damage you do when you throw a knife at somebody, can you, like those type of upgrades come from performance. So for your, like, let's say your grenades to do more damage, you have to kill a certain amount of people with grenades and it levels up that way. Or if you want your headshot, if you want your guns to do more damage overall or something like that, maybe you have to get a certain amount of headshots and things like that. So the game expects you to perform uh, to get those upgrades. Like it really is like it focuses on the shooting just so well. Like it was just a really polished game. It looks amazing. Uh, The story is good. And that's probably one of my big, my favorite things about Wolfenstein. uh, The reboot is, is how well it is written. Um, I will say that I don't think this game, this one was as funny as the old blood because the old blood was funny because it was campy. That's why it, it was funny. Uh, but yeah, this is like they did an excellent job and I'm lo- really, really, really looking forward to Wolfenstein 3. So. so with that, let's go ahead and move into our pick for number four. Best games of 2017, number four, Persona 5. As if transferring to a new school wasn't enough of a pain, imagine developing special powers and forming a vigilante group to explore a realm formed from humanity's subconscious desires. Atlas Persona 5 does all that as a social simulation game mixed with a dungeon-crawling RPG. The slick, turn-based battle system keeps the focus on combat, and the story and characters will have you coming back to find out what happens next 
Persona 5 is a game for fans and critics to enjoy. All right, coming at number four, Persona 5. I'm just going to step away for a few minutes. You guys can go ahead and do here. <laughs> Persona. I, it, it was a fight. It, it was a fight to get Persona up here. It was a fight. But we got it. We, we got it. It's because we told him to play the game first, and then he came back to us, and he was like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge commitment. So I will say I love Persona, like the Persona series since Persona 3. And Persona 3 actually held its spot when 4 came out for me. I really loved Persona 3 because of like, I guess, the darkness of the game. Like not everybody's your friend. Like it's apparent like from the beginning of the game. And 5 had that same feeling like from the beginning. Well, five like just dog shits on you and lets you know that you're just like the right. worst person on the planet and everybody hates you like right out the gate. Like, and you're just like, fuck this place. Fuck all you. Like, I don't, uh, it just feels bad. But like in a good way, like it's like you're, they're really setting you up as like the ultimate underdog in this world that just does not give a fuck about you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I don't know, man. There's something about this. I mean, it's a little long, but like the journey <laughs> a little long. Just a <laughs> just a just a little bit. It's like a hundred hour RPG, you know, 120 maybe, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but the combat is very goes back to persona roots. Um, it does the weakness system very well. It has per the the fusion the persona fusions. That if you're familiar with the series is how you grow stronger and make new. It's so it's like adult Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like if um, if you think Pokemon is too childish these days, like just go pick up Persona Five. Like it's it's pretty much like that. Yeah, it's really good. The battle system's really solid, and just like the whole design, the HUD, the everything of that game is very sleek, very beautiful. It doesn't get tiring at all. Like every time you pause the game, it's just so like, oh, he just smacked the screen and there's the pause menu. Like it's so cool. Um, with the battle system, again, they they implemented the barter bartering system versus the shuffling game, which is good and bad. I feel like the shuffling game, I can follow along better and like find the card with the bartering system. I feel like it's a little bit more chance. So I ended up using personas more often than, you know, just bartering. bartering. Unless, like, yeah. they just were like, wait, let me go on your team. Like, if you're right. about to destroy them. I well, did that, too. Uh, what's funny is when you're bartering with them, your whole squad has a gun pointed <laughs> to their head. Like, this isn't bartering. This is literally like, uh, all right, talk to save your life right now. Right. Um, <laughs> no, that was really good. The Velvet Room, they added some really good changes that I didn't really mess with. Like, they have a way that you could get your persona strong, almost like the Pokemon daycare and like the older Pokemon game, just throw your persona in a jail cell and it'll get stronger. Um, <laughs> throw, throw them in a jail cell to get stronger. Yeah. Um, that's how yeah. life works. Right. But okay. <laughs> the only negative I'd say about the, this game is that it takes a little bit to get started. Like the first dungeon is basically the entire tutorial um, but it's not necessarily bad. It's just a lot because it's a lot the game is setting you up for. The length of the game versus the intro of the game isn't that long in perspective. However, it is long because it's a long game. 
Right. Like the intro, there's a lot in this game going on. And like if they threw like you at it and said, figure it out, you would probably have to restart your game at some point or reload a save and go back and try to fix stuff. They slowly introduce the mechanics that you need to. And then they just eventually after the first dungeon, they say, "Okay, we've given you the tools. We've taught you everything about this world so far. Go. Yeah, uh, the I think the one of my favorite things about Persona Five. So I have this issue with all Persona games, where like I love the game except for X, Y, or Z, right? Like, oh, I love this game except this character sucks and this character sucks. I didn't feel that way in Five at all. Even the supporting characters, the um, what did they call them? Not the Confidants. social links. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even all of those characters were really solid, and I was actually interested in in all of their storylines. Everybody in your party, like everybody you interact with was very interesting and I wanted to know more about them. I didn't, sometimes they get annoying, they're high school kids, whatever, but like never to the point where I'm like, okay, I just, they need to go away right now. Right. I mean, I would catch myself sometimes though using some party members over than others based because like they did, whether the character did something really dumb and I'm like, I need to take a break from you. (laughs) You you annoyed me. Like, I'm going to go drag on instead of, I don't know, somebody else or whatever. So, like, maybe Ryuji, uh, as an example, maybe isn't, like, my favorite character, but I don't hate him. Like, I did with Junpei. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) But, like, that's the thing. I have my favorite characters, but I don't have any characters I don't like. So Right. I I get that. There There are definitely some characters in Persona 4 that you could say are not likable. Um, and in Persona 5, there isn't many that are not likable from like, I mean, unless you just completely hate teenagers completely and utterly. I mean, I am not a fan of teenagers, but (laughs) (laughs) true. This isn't real Um, life. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's probably one of the best JRPGs. I want to say almost ever. Like, there's hard to, like, think of another JRPG that's a turn-based JRPG that, like, in 2019, when, like, turn-based JRPGs are not as abundant as they used to be, like, this one just knocks it out of the park. And I will say the music is so good. So the thing about, because they did the 2017 Game Awards and near one, you know, soundtrack of the year, and I was kind of butthurt because I was like, Persona's, like, so good, though. Playing near now, I understand why, but like Persona's still like right there with it. It's so good. I mean, I'm pretty sure like you could like there is you know how there's lofi hip hop and it's just like a, a a roulette. It's you could probably find like a couple of those songs like that are just like and I think you know like I think it's called Behind the Mask or yep, something. Behind like the that. Mask is so good. Like it's like there's really good chill music. Battle music is on par with everything. I I mean the only the only reason I could see why near music like slightly tips over is because it like was like impacting the battle like a little bit. Whereas like the music is just really good to listen to while you're battling, which is important in a turn-based RPG, because guess what? You're battling a lot. And it's the same song almost all the time except for the final day in a dungeon and the boss battles. I want to say, yeah. right? I think I think that's the only time the boss the, the battle music changes is like 
important story moments, boss battle, or final day in the dungeon. Costumes. Otherwise, it's this. Yeah, costumes. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's about it. Yeah, so it's a 10 out of 10 on my my list. I try not to be biased about this because I love Persona, but it's everything I would want in not just a Persona game, but an RPG, which is why I, I play Persona. Right. All right, Joe, you can come back now. All right, cool. We're going to go ahead and move into number three. <laughs> Best games of 2017, number three. Super Mario Odyssey. Always looking to push Mario in innovative new directions, Super Mario Odyssey gives Mario a sentient hat named Cappy to help him explore the sandbox world he was thrown into. Once again on a quest to rescue Peach from Bowser, Mario triple jumps and wall jumps his way across several kingdoms to find her. Nintendo always delivers, again providing excellent 3D platforming, innovative mechanics, memorable music and memories okay coming at number three mario odyssey that's a mario game they keep coming up with new ways to make platformers better like, i don't even know what to tell you like it's a good game like <laughs> <laughs> it's a mario game but better next yeah. like <laughs> i mean the music is amazing. Let's get that out of the way right out of the gate. Every world has its own theme, and each theme is pretty fucking solid. I mean, some of them are kind of, some of them are forgettable. I won't say they're all like blockbuster hits, but I mean, they're pretty damn good. Um, Listen, you can't all be New Donk City. Oh my fucking god! Can we just have a, we can have a whole podcast just talking about New Donk City? To be honest. Uh. Because, like, the way that you enter that world and then the way you leave it or whatever, like, how it's completely different when you go back to it is fucking cool. The fucking ending of New Donk City with the, oh, with the throwback stuff was awesome. Jump Up Superstars, such a Jump- great song. <sighs> Jump Up Superstar. I don't know how they're going to top that. Like, I don't think you can. I don't think so either. Like, I sing it. I was going to, another song I was going to sing as he introed it. Like, uh, it's it's cool. And it's a song, too. It's not just, like, Mario. Like, they made the song, and then I think they changed the words or whatever for Mario. Like, I when I was in Japan in, like, the Don Quixote's, I was waiting in line, and, like, the song came on, and I was like, oh, okay, this is this is dope. Yeah. I, man, and then they added a really, the hat, Cappy is a good mechanic, yo. Like, he's a good partner and he's a good mechanic. Like, being (laughs) able to throw your hat on almost anything in that world and then just mind steal them and then just be able to just, like, take over and use their abilities to solve platforming puzzles. So good. That's the thing about that game. Like, just, like, that, that possession mechanic makes the game almost endly versatile right it's, it's like endly, it's like endless variety in like what you can do yeah um, you're only so. limited by the enemies around you like exactly yeah it's so good and then like jumping it's fucking mario it just feels good like any that like all the platforming just feels just right like every platform is just the right distance away and then like when you try to do the harder stuff it feels rewarding when you actually start landing those like 
triple jump cap throw toss it thing or you know you know yeah she's like she's rolling <laughs> she's rolling her eyes at me about it Ugh. but like there were rewards for like doing that stuff like there was always like coins like hidden somewhere or you know there was a there was a, a uh fuck what was the they looked like bananas i can't remember what they were called the moons? There were the, the moons, the moons. Yeah, was that what they were? I can't remember. Yeah, no, they were bananas. But like, <laughs> I knew they were like something that charged the hat chip that would get you to the next world, but I didn't know what they were actually the like moons. called. Moons, moons and bananas makes- both have crescent shapes. <laughs> yes. Oh, whatever. Well, what was really odd is remember when there was like the multiple moons, like attached to like one, and it looked like literally like the moons were like bananas, like on a. I can't remember what it's called when a whole bunch of bananas are together. A bunch Bushel? of bananas? Yes. A b- <laughs> English is hard. <laughs> the crescent moons are a bunch of bananas. A banana bunch. Yeah. Sponsored by Tropicana. Anyways. <laughs> um, I don't know. The They did a lot of cool stuff. They... They had all the surprises I weren't ex- expecting. Uh, the bosses were kind of mad, but like it's it's a Mario game. The bosses I can't except for you know I don't know many Mario games that have great bosses outside of like unless it's just Bowser or something. Edie Piranha from Sunshine. Shh. Hello, girl. You no. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, why not? I'll throw you can have Petey Piranha. Fine, thanks. Uh, the story is a Mario story go save the princess, yada yada. Uh, that's I mean, that's the downfall, I guess, is it's pretty, it's pretty formulaic. It's a formulaic Mario game, but it's probably, arguably, it might be the best Mario game, depending on who you talk to. Like, I think that's definitely arguable. Like, it is. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I think so. <laughs> like some people would argue sixty four. Some people will still argue sixty four. But like, well, I really think like Odyssey is like I that's the 60, last one they played. I think sixty four <laughs> is like the greatest game of its time, and it made a lot of waves and all of that. But as far as like solid like gameplay and everything, like obviously like Odyssey is going to be the greatest right. Mario game. Like, there's and arguments so, on like where it could be fit in, but as far as the greatest Mario game to play right now, would be yeah, Odyssey. it's Odyssey, right? Like some people go back and argue Galaxy one or two, depending on who you talk to. But I, I think Odyssey is the best one. Yeah, I mean, it was no regression. Is it's just just progression in terms of Mario? So and I agree. the I think my favorite part about this game, and I won't spoil it, but like the final boss to the ending of the game was probably the best time I've ever had in a game period. Like I was smiling the whole time. Like it was exciting. I was like, I can't believe they actually did this. It was amazing. Yeah. Like the last world, like the last world you go to, too, like the last whole platforming section or whatever to get to that point as well was really cool. Um, and even the post game yeah. is good. Oh yeah, the dark so side good. of the moon, super dope, super dope. Not Definitely even like not even that. It's just the planet you go to after you finish the game is yeah. really good, and then they add like more trials and stuff for you to do. Like the game's not over when you beat the game. There's still yeah. a lot to do, and still some storyline to it. 
There's lots of moons to collect. There's lots of post-game content to collect. This game doesn't end at roll credits, basically. Yeah, isn't it like some like 800 moons or something like that? And you only There's... need, I think, like 200 and something to beat it? Like, Yeah. Yeah, so. No, there is tons to of optional content if you want to go for it. And you can dress yeah. Mario up. That's cool, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of outfits. <laughs> there, there were a lot of outfits there. There were some that we didn't probably need, like shirtless Mario. We could have lived without that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, there is one thing I want to correct before we move on to number two, and that is uh, a group of bananas is actually called a hand of bananas, and a one banana by itself is called a finger. So there you go, Mike. <laughs> Hell yeah, English is hard. Yeah. <laughs> A banana, a banana, a group, a, a group of a cluster of bananas is only called a bunch if it's still on the stem. I didn't make the rules for this. <laughs> I just looked it up real quick while you talking. I was like, hmm. I just I the, the funny part though is he's like, I don't know what to call a banana, like bananas that are in a bunch. Yeah, a bunch. Well, it's called. It's a hand there. Well, I was looking for like, was it a bushel? Like, is it like, you know, I don't know. Like, that's a cluster like, well, you know, of bananas. Like, yeah, like sometimes there's a cluster. Like sometimes you say like cluster of whatever or bushel of, and I was like, it's actually I don't a banana. Banana. <laughs> <laughs> this is the content you come here for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I just want to get that out of the way so we don't have any uh, banana enthusiasts sending us angry emails. Appreciate so, it. No problem. Probably can. I might pull their sponsorship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't have that. Like my free yeah. bananas. Yep. All right. So with that, now that the banana cast is over, let's go ahead and move into number two. Best games of 2017. Number two. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild took the Legend of Zelda formula and brought it into a modern sandbox world with weapon degradation, crafting, cooking, and a ton of shrines filled with puzzles. Breath of the Wild manages to feel both familiar and innovative. Zelda, Ganon, and Epona are all back along with Hyrule's usual assortment of characters and your time in Breath of the Wild will feel well worth it. Okay, coming at number two, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That's going to get some people upset uh, because, you know, there are people love this game. There's so many people that love this game and uh, think it, they, they honestly feel is the best game of uh, 2017. We obviously disagree. Uh, got number one coming up soon. But let's go ahead and talk about this for a while. Christina, you were a huge fan of this game. Yeah. So I will say, actually, um, a lot of people didn't expect me. I was I was one of the people that said, okay, this game does not belong at number one. And people don't expect that of me because I'm a huge Zelda fan. I have a Zelda tattoo. I love this game. I played hundreds of hours of this game. Uh, I, I think, and I'll start off with a negative. The big thing that hurts it is, well, helps it, I guess, is that it's a Zelda game. Uh, Zelda games often get rated amongst other Zelda games like oh this is the best Zelda game to come out so obviously it's the game of the year like there's you know <laughs> right right but it's really good it's definitely in my top three Zelda games they just did something different that I they just never tried before they took risks and it really paid off like open world Zelda you can do whatever you want whenever you want well once you beat the intro part but you get your tools right away. You don't have to like 
go through dungeons and then get an item in the dungeon and then try to figure out how the dungeon's done with that item, which I guess adds and takes some from it. But I really enjoy that because just learning how to use items on the fly to get through a dungeon can sometimes be frustrating. But then you also know, oh, I just got the boomerang. That's how I beat the boss. You know, this actually reminds me of the conversation we had about A Link Between Worlds, but handled differently. Like, actually, I kind of now have more of appreciation for how they handled, like, just giving you all the tools on the opening mountain cliff. Like, I actually now appreciate that a lot more than I think I initially did. Yeah, because you can do, again, whatever, whenever. And then a lot of the fights or the temples or the trials or whatever had no one way of beating it. You could do multiple different things to try to beat it. Even if, you know, some of those things might be glitching through a wall or whatever. That's, that's That works still. Um, a lot of, I guess, negative comments that this game gets is the weapon system, which I didn't personally have an issue with. I can see why some people might. Yeah, like the two other people on this show. <laughs> I... <laughs> I get why people are okay with it. It just doesn't, it just grinds my gears. And that's a personal thing, and I get it. And it's just not for me. Like, it just uh, wasn't. I, well, for, I know for me, like, it, I, can, I think Mike's the same way. It just made me not want to explore because I don't want to have to worry. Like, I want to use my weapon for fights that matter. <laughs> you know, if, that's the thing. If there was just a way to repair them, I think I would have been okay. There kind of is a way to repair them if you throw them at the octopus dude and he sucks it up and spits it out. No. 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 (laughs) I mean, give me, like, in the town that you get to develop or whatever where you get your home in, give me a workbench. So, like, just let me be able to do that. But I get that Link isn't a crafter, and how the fuck would you be able to do that or whatever? He's because a it's a video game. That's how. That's how. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he is also a chef. I'm a just chef. saying, like, that, that is the thing that really got me, because I, I don't want to be in the middle of a fight where I was in the middle of fights, and then my weapon broke. I'm like, fuck. Or I would have to switch out my weapon before I got into like, I really like this weapon, but it might break. It's probably going to break in the middle of this fight. I don't want to have to switch in the middle of the fight. Like, it. I, uh, that that's that was one of my main things about not liking the game. The real well, problem no, is not I, the game. I, I am a hoarder that. of items. I am an item hoarder in RPGs. I will not use my Phoenix Downs until the final fucking boss, uh-huh. and I will be stacked with a thousand of them. You know what? Phoenix like, Downs are like... fine because you can buy them. It's the elixirs and the like that I always hold on. This game, okay, so I think the reason why I didn't mind the weapon management system is because I'm the kind of person that runs in, like, guns a-blazing, like, I'm just going to slice everything, whereas Breath of the Wild made me analyze each section that I was going to and try to be more strategic, try to use my bombs, try to use the environment around me versus just, you know, slashing everything in the face. So I think that was the big draw for me where it's like this game made me do something. It took me out of my comfort zone, but in a good way. You know, I have a sword and I want to use it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they do say, and I did see, when you get the master sword, it doesn't break, but it does have to recharge. Yeah, yeah, once you get the master sword, it honestly changes the gameplay a bit. It's not as hectic. Um but it's still, yeah, 
Yeah, I always had the master sword and then I had like a couple of other things like to the side. But I also did everything that I possibly could like could before I finished the game. Even though you could still do it afterwards, I wanted to get everything completed. So yeah. but the game was a great experience. Like the world felt very alive. You saw people like running down the road, even though some of them just try to kill you over bananas that that, a hand of bananas to be exact um (laughs) (laughs) but like even cooking was so satisfying just like listening to the music like the little jingle like uh it the game was beautiful until you threw in a whole bunch of crap and you got like poison shit on (laughs) like you got like something that went like it looked like Yep, this is this is this is my real life cooking experience. <laughs> I am a great chef inside and outside of video games. I just want to throw that out there. I am a terrible chef in and outside of video <laughs> games. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and no, I um I I wasn't a huge fan of this game. I didn't even really finish it, but it was mainly because like in, in, in open world games like this, I like to explore, but I don't want to have to worry about traveling a long distance and taking a long time to get someplace only to find like you know an enemy that is just crazy out levels me and now i'm like well now i just gotta double back and just go back and find another you know way to go i do like a bit more hand holding even in open world games like this one in this game like you get down to the main area and they put four points on your map and they're like okay have a good time like no like i don't want to make my own adventure i paid you to make this adventure sir (laughs) yes that's what i'm I'm kind of looking for so even if there's like quests or you know let's say your main quests are in the four areas like basically are essentially in four different sides of the map hey give me side quests that take me up a chain and get me to where i need to go even that is fine if they even had that i think i would have been okay rather than me go ahead i'm sorry i was gonna say like the side quests was kind of lackluster in this game like there's a couple of really really good ones like Terrytown is like my favorite side quest of like any game like I'll talk about that all the time it was, it was fun um, but the problem that the side quests have which could be again a positive or a negative is it'll be like I need to do this go help me to do this but it doesn't tell you how to do that so you have to figure it out yourself which then can become tedious when I was doing side quests I definitely had to look at a guide to help me with some of them yeah, and I think also like the lack of music, um, the lack of music overall was kind of a little like jarring to me. Like you know, when I'm playing like, when I'm playing a Zelda game, I want to feel like I'm on an adventure. You know, when I hit the ground, I want that Hyrule theme playing. You know, when I go underwater, I want some like smooth jazz playing. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> like <laughs> that, 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 that's the type of experience yeah. I'm looking for. But, like, I think, that be- and that's what kind of hurts this game. It's, like, because it's a Zelda game, people expect that. But they were going for a very somber, like, there's no, like, saving the, you f- no, shit's dead. Like, everything's dead. Like, there's only, like, a few, like, bastions of safety now. Like, y'all fucked up. The world is over, almost. Like, they wanted you to really feel that somberness and emptiness that's in that world. And the music they did have, like, they nailed all of it. Just, like, the enemy music and, like, the sound effects for everything. Like, fighting the Guardians. Like, I can think of every aspect of fighting, like, running into a Guardian, like, in my head. Like, just the sounds alone. From the music starting to the turret to the... Yeah. I fucking hate that. Because it's, like, so (laughs) ominous. It's just, like... And then the way it moves. 
And it's just so much bigger than you. And it shoots a giant fucking laser that you have to parry or you're just fucked. The scariest part is when you run into ones that are dead, like in the ground and you're like, oh, okay, they're dead. And then you walk over to one that's still alive and you're like, oh, shit, shit, shit. Like, what do I do? And you're freaking out. That that was that was an experience when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I know when, when I would play the game, I'd be okay, but then like there'd be it'd, be it'd be really, really difficult for me to get back and play it again. Like, yeah, you know, I think at this point, like the only time I'll even play it is if I'm on like a plane or something like that. That's, I will. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from because like I beat the game, but I didn't do like any of the DLCs, which were good from what I've heard. And what I did, I did a little bit of a DLC. Um and what I did was good, but I was on a plane. I don't really have anything pulling me back because I have other things that I need to you be. You mean you didn't want that sick motorcycle? I mean, <laughs> so the DLC I did is like you have like no health. Like if you get hit once, you're dead. And I cleared out an entire area. I was being strategic and using arrows and, you know, doing great. And I ran over a beehive as I was running to the temple and I got stung and I died. And I was like, nope, I'm done. And that's the last time I played Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say, I want to say kudos to the shrines. Like the, yeah, the, the, that's the concept of shrines were really good in this game. I almost feel like though, because the shrines were so good, it made... I know there's this argument about the beasts and whether they're dungeons or not. In my head, they were kind of like dungeons, but because all your puzzles were really over in, uh, all your puzzles were really in your shrines. Like I felt like there wasn't too much. There were some puzzles in the, in the great beasts dungeons or whatever, but like, I felt like the, because you could go to any dungeon at any time and because they had to be scaled that way, they kind of didn't feel as good. But I love the but I love the shrine so much that I was like I was okay with it. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the shrines were really solid. Like, yeah, it, the puzzles and the beasts were very forgettable. I had a lot of people in the the minfos beast or whatever where they didn't even realize they could move the map. Um, which I I figured out right away. I don't remember how. I don't know if it like showed up or whatever. But I actually heard that complaint from like three or four of my friends. Like, yeah, I didn't know that that's how that puzzle worked. So it's just like, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I can see that. But the the shrines were really good. My favorite shrine was the Survivor Man Shrine. That one was so much fun. They throw you on an island, take away all of your equipment, and say survive the island you, like you have this objective and that's what you need to do right so that one was really good um but i will say this is my last point is this is a really good base for zelda and i'm very excited to see what they do with the next game in the series because i feel like nintendo obviously really cares about zelda and takes the criticisms of what people say and they're just going to make it hopefully better well, I mean, this Zelda is like, I think one of the first, one of the few Zeldas that actually gets a direct sequel. Yeah. Like literally it's getting like a direct sequel to the end of the story. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, they ha- I, the story, the story was not 
amazing in Zelda, so I feel like they kind of have to. They need to build that story. Like, there were some interesting aspects of it, but, like, if you don't get all of the memories and all of the everything, like, you miss so much, and it's just kind of save Hyrule is the story, you know? Yeah, generic. you kind of need to go and find all the memories. Well, that's kind of... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. I, I just also feel they could have done more with the Guardians. Like, I wanted to know more. And I know that there's a DLC, like, kind of to dedicate to the Guardians, but and you could talk to the 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 bird dude with the accordion, and he'll tell you more about them. But I was like, I don't know, I just want to know more. Maybe like figure out who's gonna replace these Guardians in the new world. But like, we'll see. Have to see. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like, you know, when you have a game that's this open, the story will suffer. Like, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Like, you can go anywhere at any time. Uh, there's no real, there's no real, there's nothing that's keeping the memories in your path, right? It'll be, or I shouldn't say, you don't even have to execute the memories in the right order, right? So um, it'll be different if they like maybe attached it to some type of leveling system or something like that, you know, or uh, some type of collectible that once you got a certain amount, a new memory will pop up in a specific order. But yeah, I mean, that, that was inevitable. But that's, I mean, I think they accomplished their goal, right? That, then that's why I didn't have a problem with this being number two. I mean, one, tons of people loved it. It was executed very well for what they were trying to do. It was. It was executed very well. And just because I didn't, you know, wasn't I wasn't really feeling it doesn't mean that um, it doesn't deserve the spotlight. It was just a very, very well-crafted game. So, okay. So with that, we're going to go into number one. Best games of 2017, number one, Horizon Zero Dawn. Giant robot dinosaurs. Guerrilla Games takes the crown in 2017 by not only delivering on a surefire premise as hunting giant robot dinosaurs armed only with a bow and arrow, but also making a compelling narrative with responsive gameplay. Horizon Zero Dawn takes place in a massive open world with varied, beautiful locations and tons of allies and enemies alike. Study your enemies to find the key to attacking them and bring down these behemoths with an assortment of weapons and traps. Take what you can from your kills to upgrade your weapons to fight even bigger challenges. Horizon Zero Dawn had it all in 2017, and that's why it was the game of the year. Alright, coming in to number one, Horizon Zero Dawn. A game that a lot of people didn't even play because it came out around Zelda. Yeah, that's that. I think yeah. that's, that's that's the tragedy here. That's <laughs> tragedy here. You want you want to hear about a tragic story? I gave Christina oh, no. my copy of Horizon Zero Dawn years ago at this point, and she has not played it yet. She hasn't. I think she didn't even get. I don't, did you even get to matured Aloy yet, or she's still a kid? I did. I got to the first fire pit <laughs> see like that's crazy to me like <laughs> she barely gave it a chance but i think horizon zero dawn just had a bad timing with the, with zelda coming out and a lot of people just it, i think horizon zero dawn came out right before zelda and a lot of people didn't pick it up they just picked up zelda instead but horizon zero dawn was an amazing game it was a massive game well-crafted world i mean you had a bunch of different types of of areas, like you had your desert, you had your forest, you had your jungles, you had your mountainous snow areas. Actually, they had an entire DLC dedicated to snow areas 
uh, after the game came out. And yeah, it was just really well done. Tons of quests and side quests that take you from place to place. You know, it's an open world. You can go anywhere. Like, no place is actually blocked off for you. I just wouldn't recommend going to these places until, you know, you have the right level, you have the right equipment. Uh, I mean, if you want to see a thunder... gone to a cauldron or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you want to see a thunder jaw, you can see one toward the beginning of the game. I would not recommend it because your visit will be short. <laughs> but, but like, um, <laughs> yeah, you can see one if you want to, but, like, they had quests that took you from place to place and side quests that took you from place to place. The game just really, really well uh, paced. Uh, traversing the world was easy and fun and finding new things. I mean, because of the way you had to fight the machines, I think like every engagement was fun to me. You know, I mean, so first of all, there's 26 different machines, right? And each machine has a different way to kill. I mean, some machines, you can just shoot them right in the optical thing and they're done. You know, like the like the the base raptor watchers, looking unit, yeah, yeah the, watchers, the watchers. You just boop, boop, right in the eye. Okay, they're out. But then other machines have like various types of armor on, or they might have different types of guns on. So now you have to use your arsenal, which is varied. You have two different types of bows, but one bow is dedicated to different types of damage. The other bow is dedicated to different types of utility. Then you have tools that you could like trap them. Or you can make like, like trip them, and or you can use sound to blow armor or pieces off of them, right? I mean, sometimes like, um, who was it? The not the not the big bird, but the small bird. The the hawks. The, the glint hawks, right? So they are these birds that are a pain in the ass to deal with because they're always in packs, right? And they're always together. Yeah, there's always three, you know, and you. You there's actually uh the the way the best way to take them to take them apart or to to kill them is to get their chest piece off and then once you get their chest piece off the thing that fuels them is underneath that and you could blow it up and it actually freezes them and it makes them drop to the ground you could tie them to the ground and just fuck up their day but there's three of them to do like you know that's the thing you have to be very aware of the situations you're walking into right like mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, you don't just want to run into an area and then start attacking a machine. You can't do that. You really do have to plan uh, and use stealth. So, like, you know, you kind of pop up. Uh, there's a boat. There's a, one of the arrows has like um, a sonic emitter on it. So you shoot it, and it like you can use it to blow armor pieces off of maybe a specific type of machine. You just get back down, and the machine's looking around like, "Who did that? Where'd that come from?" <laughs> like, you know. And it's like you're actually, it's like you're actually hunting these machines. You know, yeah, and, and I, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, th- th- you can also blow off their own guns. Like yes. you can blow off their guns, pick them up, and then shoot them back with their own fucking machinery. The, the, like, it's uh, really nice. The more dangerous machines are like that, like the Thunder Jaws, which are essentially like the T Rexes. That's one of the first things I do is I shoot off the. Well, first of all, it has a shit ton of guns on it. I'm like, that is that is a lot of weaponry for one <laughs> for one machine. Well. When when they were developing this game, the Thunderjaw was the proof of concept. They were like, okay, if we can get the Thunderjaw right, that means it has all the tools we need, and then we just take like little bits of it off here and there, and then we make our, the rest of the machines. So the Thunderjaw is literally just the culmination of like the of everything in this game. Dude. Like that they can throw at you. It has like, the Thunderjaw has guns on its face, a gun in its mouth. It has guns on its back. It has these these uh 
there's these thing like these guns that shoot disc these, launchers. The disc launchers, yeah. So that's it launches the discs, but the discs don't just like lob in the air and come down, right? The discs launch out, go flat, fly over to where you are, and then try to drop down on you and blow up. So it's like. <laughs> The, this is what you have to deal with as you're trying to fight this thing. And it has a ton of health. So as you're trying to, like, you know, you have to strategically take this thing apart as you're fighting it to give yourself a chance. And that's like that's why I, I would go throughout that entire game and every battle was enjoyable. Even fighting some of the machines that do closer combat. Because the Thunderjaw will kind of stay away from you and just try to blast from a distance. But, like, you know, the Sawtooth. Or I forget what the saw the um there's an upgraded sawtooth that has a gun attached to it. And I can't remember what it's called, but that one they like it will one shoot at you, but it'll also like lunge at you and try to get close to you and stuff like that. So it was just really a really great experience. I thought the story was good as well. Uh, trying to yeah. un- unravel because like you just you're in you're just in this world where they're just machines, like they're just machines that look like dinosaurs and other types of animals why and the the game does a good job pacing uh what happened to the world and by the time you finish the game and you figure out what actually happened and you know how things are going then you know i i it felt it felt good i think i think i put about 55 hours into this game before i finished it and uh that's with me finishing all the quests and side quests there were none left the only thing i had these these trials to do uh, and then mm-hmm. the DLC adds like another ten hours on top of that, so it was a it was a great game. It was it's beautiful game too, man. Like it, it, they just did an excellent job. I was like, I was very very impressed with how they did the world, you know. So. Yeah, and the machines were very varied. Like there were only like a couple machines that looked like kind of duplicates of one another. Um, they also would vary up the machines with. Uh, different elements so like the bellowbacks would like there was a frost one and a fire one and they played a lot with like being able to freeze your enemies and being able to set them on fire being able to pin them to the ground like there was just a lot you could do in this game and Aloy felt very agile reactive and free but also like fragile like you can't get hit by too many shots in this game like you you can go down pretty easy if you're not prepared and you didn't bring lots of health recovery items with you. Um, I don't know, man. This game blew my mind. I, the fact that this game came from Guerrilla Studios, who fucking did Killzone before all this, and they just were like, hey, let's guys, let's make an open world, pretty fucking, I don't know, shooter-ish, oh, like, action RPG is, like, crazy to me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I really liked was the fact that when you're, like, because the the main the main gameplay loop of this game is fighting the machines, right? And yeah, there's people too, though. Is, there's you people. do fight some people, but like the people, I think that the like when you do fight the people, that's more of like a stealth thing. Like you use utilize the stealth like way more, uh, and yeah. they're, they're easier too. But with the machines, like you just have to strategize every time you fight the machines. Um, depending on where you are, you know what they can do, and maybe you shouldn't be trapped in this area with them. Uh, while you're doing the fight, so maybe you should try to draw them out. Uh, the I think the the fact that the arsenal is so varied too. Like I said, you have two types of bows, and one has utility, and one has regular arrows, arrow with like steel heads, and you know stuff like that. So the way you the, the different types of combinations you can put together, and the most important thing is that they don't tell you how to do any of this. That there's no tutorial on how to fight the machines 
when you get to new machines. You just got to start doing shit. Like, and you start to recognize certain things. Like, you know, for for example, the Glint Hawk, you know, it has that armor piece on his chest, but it's not like glowing and saying, hey, shoot me. You know, you just I just noticed it had something behind it. And I'm like, that's probably soft. And I need to get the, the armor piece off of it. And, you know, that's how you get to that. Right. Well, and then like they they kind of give you some help if you use your focus device, which is basically Aloy's tool that is on her ear. And it basically uh, she turns it on and it basically acts as her way of like scanning the world in a sense. Right. And you can scan the machines. And if you scan the machines, it'll show you like weak points and things they're weak to. They don't go outright and tell you like, hey, this is what you need to do. But like they'll like. They'll give you a hint at least, and they'll also like tell you the pathing of the machine, so you can like, like organize, lock, like just organize your stealth attacks and stuff like that. And I, I think they handled the Batman detective mode very well in this game, because <laughs> that's what it felt like. It felt like right. a Batman detective mode for the most part. It is. Um, I don't know. I this, this game was really special. I don't. I literally don't platinum a lot of games. Like I went and platinum this game. I went and got all the trophies on the new game plus when it came out. I got all the trophies on the frozen wilds and I, 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 I unlocked everything I fucking could. I went and got all the stupid little data pads scattered throughout the world and yeah. went and read all those. Like there's so much lore to this game with like the, with the old world and the new world that's before us and what all happens. Like it just, it's so good. Like, yeah. go play this fucking game. Yeah, I'm really excited <laughs> for the next Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, it should be, I just, yeah, I hope they don't try to overdo it. You know, just improve where they can. And Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I'm really, really curious where they're going to go. Like, I want to know what's next, but I, I agree. I hope they don't, I hope they don't overdo it. Um, I hope they stick to this. You know, now that I've actually played Monster Hunter World, like, I see a lot of like what they did in horizon in like the core gameplay that is monster hunter. And I hope that they keep that kind of going because they balance it out enough to where it's not just playing monster hunter. It's also that open world story experience that you get with that, like monster hunter, like find giant robot dinosaur, go fucking kill it and go take its parts to get better gear. So. Right. Yeah. Okay. So before we wrap up here, uh, you guys want to get some closing thoughts on 2017? Uh, it was busy. It was so busy. This was a banger year. Like, there was just, like, good game after good game after good game. It was hard to actually, like, find time to play them all. There's games that, that aren't even on this list that, like, it, 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 yeah, that we'll talk about in honorable mentions or whatever. But like, there, there's just, there were so many good games this year. It was crazy. This year was tough for me because it went from, um, what's that game we just talked about? Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that game we just talked about, that, Zelda. Yeah. 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 That, well, I just talked about, sorry. Uh, yes. it went from <laughs> Zelda to Persona to then for me, Stormblood came out and then Mario. And I didn't have time to do anything that year. So that was cool. It was very busy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, it, I think 2017 took me by surprise. Like, you know, I wasn't on the hype train for horizon zero dawn, but when it came out, I couldn't stop playing. I was like, 
I want more of this game. Like I want more. I wanted the DLC immediately when the DLC got done. I was like, I want this. I want more DLC immediately. Feed me Seymour. Like I want more. Like you know. I, yeah. I, yeah. I think honestly that, and I hate to go back to Horizon, but like the fact that it was a surprise probably helped the fact that it made me like it more. It's right. like I saw gameplay trailers at E3, but like I didn't really they they didn't really be like like how they do nowadays and be like, show you every single fucking machine that's in the, that would have been in the game or something like that. Like you see right. in some games where they like, here's, here's, here's what's in this game. And this is how this works. You know, I, I actually appreciate it. And I hope games do this more where there's like show like the bare minimum you have to. And then that's it. Like don't show anymore. Yeah. Like just don't. Cause I think that breath of the wild is a great example of like, they didn't show you shit. Like no one knew what the fuck Breath of the Wild was gonna be like until like I guess some people got their hands on it or something. And even then, like that was like scratching the surface on what was really going on in Breath of the Wild. So Yeah. yeah. I think all of the games that came out were not expected bangers. So nobody expected this year to be this fire and it was insane. Yeah, right. like who thought Near Automata was gonna be anything? Like what <laughs> yeah so it was definitely a lot of surprises i mean my favorite two games on this list are obviously horizon zero dawn and then also like wolfenstein was just like kind of like mind-blowing me but yeah the 2017 was a good year enjoyed it so we'll see what happens in 2018 that's uh you know the next episode so we're gonna close up here thank you for listening and like I said earlier, we're always looking for feedback, so you can reach us on the Discord, which is discord.me slash mash those buttons. Uh, you can even email us at contact at mash those or hit us on Twitter at the mash network. Are you guys want to give me a social media info? Uh, sure. You can find me at s'mores Pop-Tart on Twitter, Instagram, or Twitch. So s'mores is sm- spelled with a Z at the end. And you can find me at MVP on Twitter and twitch.tv. Yeah, and I'm on uh, Twitter at Josh Tradamus, and on Twitch, you can just find me on uh, the Mash Those Buttons page, so twitch.tv slash Mash Those Buttons, and uh, you know, I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. You know, you help us uh, to you know make content like this, so thank you guys very much. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you enjoy our content, and you want to help support Mash Those Buttons, you could do so for as little as $1 a month and receive Patreon bonuses. For this show specifically, uh, for the fan tier patrons, which is the $1 tier, We'll receive bonus honorable mention episodes. That's what Mikey was talking about before. And uh, our supporter tier patrons will receive honorable mentions and the draft episode in which we kind of drill down to the top 10. Uh, we don't deliver the top 10, but we drill down to the games that we're going to discuss for the top 10. So, uh, if, which, you are, know, which is probably some of the, it was, those are some of the funnest episodes to do throughout the series have been yeah. the draft episodes. Yeah, they're so a bit more loose. They're a bit more loose. So. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, so like I said before, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you in 2018. See ya. Peace out. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. 
If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashLoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at Mash.gg slash Discord. 